Hi, my name's Matt, and this is a podcast about life after the coronavirus vaccine. Welcome to episode 73. This week's episode is inspired by a phrase I've been turning over in my mind for a while now. Life isn't meant to be comfortable. Ironically, given its content, it's a phrase that has come to bring me quite some comfort over the past year. And today I want to unpack why that might be. Along the way, I want to talk about a new book I read this month called The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter. And actually, maybe we can start with that book. I really wanted to like this book and bits of it I really did, but I'm going to say it's really not a great book. It might not even be a good one. The premise is really interesting that we need to make more space for discomfort in our lives to help make us happier, healthier and our lives more meaningful. The trouble is, the basic prescription that modern life is too comfortable barely holds up to any real scrutiny, even on the book's own terms. And then that basic prescription is used to justify some just weird behaviours and odd, overly macho actions. Like at one point, the book tries to argue that we have unhealthy diets because the food available is too convenient, with too little nutritional value and is too comforting. But the book then points out that people eat worse in high stress situations. So how can it say that it's a crisis of comfort when at the same time claiming people eat to comfort themselves in times of stress? Surely then it is a crisis of discomfort that makes people need to comfort eat rather than a crisis of comfort, no? The book's author then also uses the idea that industrial meat production makes meat too much of a comfortable commodity to justify. That hunting is fine because it's uncomfortable, rather than opening up the possibility that maybe we don't need us, anyone, to be killing for food anymore. But among the oddities, there were some great points too. There is a truth at the start of this book, in particular, which really resonated. The book argues that the more discomforts we remove, the more we find discomfort in other things. We don't and won't reduce our number of problems. Instead, we start looking for problems in other places, often inwardly. Like TSA agents, If people just stopped bringing contraband through airport security one day, they'd not stop searching. They'd just keep finding more different definitions of contraband. The other example in the book is a set of psychological tests done 
where they slowly reduced the number of mistakes in tests given to professors to mark. Rather than adapt to the new reality of fewer things wrong, they started to find smaller or different types of error. And our internal threat systems are the same. Again, this is where the book does lack some answers, because not all problems are made equal. Now, fair enough. As the book admits, our brains don't have the ability to distinguish. It's the same amygdala, the same fight-or-flight system which responds to threats both real and imagined. But different problems have very different physical consequences. So whilst at times it feels like this book glamorises the problems of the past to a point where it feels weirdly nostalgic, it feels like it conveniently then just adds the rule, don't die, rather than actually deal with the reality that it is our fight or flight system, the one which drives us towards comfort, which helps us stay alive. But again, I've got to give the book fair credit for its great things too. And another comes when it reminds us that if we exist only in the middle of our comfort zone, then we miss out on the fulfilment of our potential, which exists in exploring the outer limits of it. Now, we are programmed to overestimate the consequences of failure to put ourselves in a place where failure is not just possible but probable, even if we do everything right, can help to challenge that bias that's built into our brains. The book also reminds us that memory is about the future. We store up models that will help us do better in similar situations in the future. And that reminds me of the book, The Source of Consciousness, which reminds us that our feelings, particularly ones that are negative, the ones that give us the most discomfort, are there to tell us there's something wrong with our model of the world. That there's a disconnect between what we're experiencing in the world, what our body needs and how our brain thinks things should be. So yes, there is a natural instinct to avoid discomfort means our models of the world are wrong. That is annoying, inconvenient and quite literally feels bad. But if we don't correct that model, then we're destined to get more wrong and repeat the same mistakes. Instead, when we deliberately put ourselves in the path of failure, We turn short-term memory into long-term memory. We make our broken models of the world better and we get better at improving them. It's one of my personal ambitions for this year to get better at holding space for discomfort, for getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. In the life skills training I did, we call it distress tolerance. Getting better at being okay with not being okay. I have my own little mantra I repeat whenever something goes wrong recently. I just say, you know nothing, Jon Snow. It makes me giggle. It reminds me, my model of the world is always imperfect. 
helps me make a little space for that feeling of discomfort at knowing that. It's one slightly silly way of improving my own skill of distress tolerance. Now, distress tolerance is not the only skill, that is for sure. I very much learned that the hard way at the beginning of last year when it became very clear. I had been tolerating far too much stress for far too long and burnt myself out. At that point, I needed other skills and to clear out some of the stresses I didn't even realise I had before I could get moving again. But at the heart of much of my struggle with anxiety and depression was something that is at the heart of this book, which I think rings true. That if we don't go looking for discomfort, discomfort comes looking for us. It's at the heart of cognitive behavioural therapy's treatment for depression and anxiety. Feeling depressed can lead to losing our enjoyment of the world around us makes us withdraw from it and, in turn, that withdrawal leads to feeling more depressed. And so the cycle continues. Cognitive behavioural therapy aims to break that cycle by identifying thoughts, feelings and behaviours we can introduce which challenge the instinct to withdraw and instead start a new cycle of engagement and growth. It can be uncomfortable for sure, but so is being in a depressive hole. Trust me, I've been there. The discomfort you go looking for is better than the one which comes looking for you. When cognitive behavioural therapy is used to treat anxiety, it looks to break a different cycle where anxious thoughts and feelings lead to avoidant behaviours. But shrinking the world doesn't make the anxiety go away. Instead, the mind finds smaller and smaller things to worry about and the world around you shrinks as you avoid more and more. The challenge, the discomfort to go looking for, is to continue to move forward even when anxious. That includes building skills of distress tolerance, our ability to sit with discomfort and worry, of self-soothing, our ability to calm ourselves and help keep anxious thoughts from turning into overwhelming anxious feelings and of alternative ways of thinking, challenging patterns of thought so they don't kickstart new cycles of anxiety. Because if we don't build those skills, uncomfortable though it may be, Discomfort comes looking for us in smaller and smaller ways as the world shrinks around us. And that is why this year I'm saying life isn't meant to be comfortable. I want to keep going out looking for discomforts, ones I pick to face up to, to grow myself in ways I'm proud of because If we're lucky, that's the best we get to pick our discomforts. Because I've been in places where the discomforts are piled so high I can't even see them and I didn't know I wasn't coping till I put them down. And if that's you, I hope you find the kindness to show yourself which you need and deserve and I encourage you to reach out and ask for help 
And I've also been in places where my discomforts have piled up precisely because they are a result of anxiety and or depression. And so I've avoided other ones. And if that's you, maybe start to pick some discomforts you want to face that will help you find the edges of yourself again and that will help you break the cycle. If you need help with that, ask for it. And here I am, at the end of today's episode, putting it into practice. Because I hate promoting myself, it makes me deeply uncomfortable, particularly with music. But I do have new music coming out. In fact, I already have two tracks out recently, Something in the Water and It's Just a Vibe, both on Spotify, Apple Music and all the other digital platforms. I'll include links in the show notes to this episode. And I have another song coming out on Friday the 27th of January. And it's called I Loved You. And this song is partly vulnerable for me in two ways. One, the topic I've written about, and two, because it's the first time I've released a proper track with spoken word vocals on it. And I feel very vulnerable about that. But it felt like the only way to deal with the topic I wanted to write about. The song is about growing up, coming of age and coming out. It's about young queer love and how those experiences make you feel like you're both growing up faster and slower than the people around you. I've been doing a lot of work with rap and spoken word at work recently, including training. So no doubt that's helped give me some experience and some skills to help express this topic in spoken word, but also it just felt like the right thing to do. I love singing. I love melody. I think it can add this whole other layer of meaning and expression to lyrics, but sometimes that extra layer can hide or distract from the words, and I didn't want that. I wanted these words to be spoken and vulnerable, even though that leaves me feeling uncomfortable about sharing them. But life isn't meant to be comfortable. I'm finding the edges of myself in a way which feels meaningful and purposeful to me, so I'm holding space for that discomfort. If you want to help me out in that endeavour, please go check out the last couple of tracks and even add them to your playlists because that really helps teach the streaming algorithms what my music is like and that in turn helps get it recommended to others. And then... When I Loved You comes out on the 27th of January, I'd love you to take a listen, share it if you can, and hopefully enjoy. But remember, life isn't meant to be comfortable. Oh, and... You know nothing, Jen Snow. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you've enjoyed it, you can follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your podcast player of choice. You can find the podcast on social media at Life After Vax, V A X, on Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to reach out for a more meaningful connection, you can drop me an email. Hi at lifeaftervax.com. Until next time.